0: I could, I could have gotten to like community college and like not had any student debt and learned basically what I needed today. And like that, that is like true in one dimension. But then on the other hand, like going to Carleton allowed me to travel a lot and allowed me to like meet people that I would have, I don't know if I would have ever met before. So which pathway would have been the right one? I, I don't know. Like, is the debt that I've accrued worth, worth it? I like to think so.
1: Hi y'all, welcome back to How to College First Gen. My name is Alejandro Isaguirre and today we're joined by Francisco Castro. Francisco was a learning experience manager at a software company in Houston, Texas. He studied international relations at Carleton College and began his career path as a Spanish teacher. While his journey to break into tech was unique, He brings a wealth of experience and talent to his team. Francisco has also been involved in creative and technical projects like Sobremesa, Mesa, a talk show about Latin culture for novice Spanish language learners. When he's not doing his day job and side projects, Francisco DJs at bars, beer gardens, and clubs all throughout the Houston area as a way to explore and share his Afro-Caribbean heritage. Welcome to the show, Francisco. Thank you so much, Alejandro. Happy to be here. Before we get started, I want the audience to learn a little bit more about you. Could you tell us about your background and where'd you grow up?
0: I uh, grew up in the Dominican Republic, born and raised in Santo Domingo. I moved to the United States, uh, Houston specifically, at the age of 12. At the time, my mom developed an aggressive form of uh, leukemia. Her, her form of cancer was was very aggressive and, and rather uh, rare, so it was the doctor's advice for us to... Pack our bags and move to Houston. We thought we would be in uh, Texas for just a couple of months until she got better. But you know, a year went by, and uh, we were still treating her her cancer. She actually died at the 14th month mark after we moved to uh, Houston. You know, well, it was certainly a tragic event. You know, it it, it brought us to the community here in Houston, and we had already been enrolled in school and started making a life here. So we just decided to stay. I uh, went through high school, did <laughs> the American things and um, was lucky enough to um, you know, secure a, a good scholarship into, into college and uh, get to where I am today, so.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that. And although your journey to the United States was a quite difficult one and definitely challenging, I think that all those experiences have definitely contributed to who you are now. I'd like to fast forward a little bit to you as a senior in high school. You've got a few options for where you'll be at in the next four years. Could you talk about your college application process and what led you to choose Carleton College?
0: Look, I I, I don't know if this is like right to say, but I I knew I wanted to go to college. Like like I, I knew that that was like a next step for me. but I really wasn't thinking much about, like, college. I think I was just kind of focused on doing things I liked in high school and... Preparing myself academically, but my journey into college and how I ended up at Carleton really began my my eighth grade year. In eighth grade, I joined a program called GeoForce, and GeoForce was a program established by the University of Texas in Austin, specifically the uh, Jackson School of Geology, I believe it was called. And basically, it was like a scholarship for students to travel all around the United States every summer of their high school year and learn geology. Now, I'm clearly not a geologist today. I wasn't really interested in geology at the time. I just wanted to travel, and I heard that I didn't have to pay a dime for it. So I signed up for that. And, um, you know, one summer we went to the Florida Keys, the other summer we went to the Grand Canyon, the other summer we went um, uh, to Oregon, and I developed some good friendships there and some good professional relations. And I was really interested in applying to UT Austin. I didn't really want to major in geology, but thankfully the program directors were very cool about that. But then one of the uh, program advisors told me, hey, there's a scholarship called the the, the Posse Foundation, the, the Posse Scholarship, and I think that you would be a good candidate for it. So they extended that offer for me and they, they, they nominated me to go through the Posse process. And it's, it's a very rigorous process to become a Posse scholar. Um, I heard that it's actually about a 4% chance of earning, to, uh, earning the scholarship. And I, I can go into more detail about that process later, but you know, I eventually went through it and um, the school that was kind of selected for me uh, and that I kind of co-selected to was Carlton. And I really fell in love with the people I met from Carlton, the admissions process. And I got accepted to UT and I uh, actually enrolled in UT, but you know, I, <laughs> rescinded that and um, ended up at Carlton, and I'm, I, I, I'm very happy that's how it turned out.
1: For our audience members who don't know what the Posse Scholarship is, could you talk a little bit about the scholarship and the selection process?
0: The goal of Posse, just like many other scholarships of that kind, is to take students from underrepresented backgrounds and take them into very elite institutions. But Posse does something different in that they um, send you off with a cohort or a Posse of students from your city. And you actually go through a pretty rigorous application and interview process because they really want to test not so much how academically prepared you are. That's actually not as important. They really want to see how much of a critical thinker, thinker you are. Um, but more than anything, they want to see how well you work in a team. I remember in the first interview, they asked me to walk around and pretend like the floor was jello. In another one, they had me work together with random people to address a fictional uh, situation on campus. Like, oh, some professor said something racist. How are you and your teammates going to collaborate and address those things? And, you know, they were actually pretty real. You, scenarios that we kind of like went through in that application process. Um, you actually get to interview face-to-face with professors and admission uh, officials from the college once you make it to a certain round. And, you know, they're not really asking you so much about your grades or your clubs. They really want to know, you know, about the experiences that made you who you are and what what conspired in Francisco's life to... <laughs> have him be in this place right then and there so I think it's a very unique interview process not only that once you're accepted into the cohort you spend nine months of what they call pre-collegiate training and you meet with your cohort your posse once a week and you prepare academically emotionally mentally socially for what's to come and everybody has a different experience with posse I think I just want to say that and kind of name that. Um, for some people, it just wasn't the right fit. Um, and Posse is an organization, like all organizations trying to do the right thing, an organization with uh, flaws and things that they're working through. But speaking from my experience, I mean, it was life-changing. I, I made some lifelong friends through that process and it prepared me for Carlton for sure. And, um, you know, Carlton was, again, a life-changing experience for me and I, I don't regret anything.
1: I'd like you to go more in depth about your experience at Carleton College. What made it stand out to you? What made it a meaningful experience for you? And what made you feel like it was the right choice?
0: Again, I, I, I don't know if these are like the, the, the right things to say, but I, I, look, I, I, I didn't go to Carleton with the plan of being the brightest student or like the the smartest student. I really was just looking for new experiences, and that's I really focused my time at Carleton to do just that. I tried to meet as many people as I could of all different backgrounds that I could. The fact that classes were small and I had access to professors was uh, awesome. But what really made me feel very grateful for Carleton is that it it just opened a lot of doors for me, and I was very diligent to get as many opportunities as I could. So I spent a summer in Myanmar teaching English and um, taking archival footage of village life in rural Burma. I did some research work in uh, education in Chile and in Argentina. I studied politics and democracy in Romania. I mean, I, I I think I think that Carlton gave me a lot of opportunities and I knew how to take advantage of them. Again, you know, like my GPA was pretty average, maybe a little below average, but like you know I, I also was a radio DJ at the time there, um, and I just connected with like uh, like a lot of a really awesome alumni network now i don't want to paint this as all roses i mean it was you know we we can get into the the struggles of it later it was certainly not an easy place to live through but for me it was just like hey man listen i'm out here it's all these white rich people like they're gonna say what they're gonna say in class but like let me just like see what i can get out of this experience and just like focus on that
1: And it sounds like it was much more than just an educational experience it was a way that you could build community not only with your posse but also with the people at the college
0: yeah absolutely it's hard because going to a predominantly white institution and you know being not white and not rich is hard right like you like definitely have that shock and yeah being with my like posse was like awesome. And I'm like very happy I had that community. And also, I, I don't know. I, I think that I, as time went on at Carlton, I just chose to zero in my attention on what would be good for me long-term. And sometimes that did mean, you know, a lot of student activism, like that did include like a lot of that. But at the end of the day, I thought to myself, Hey, look, like I only have like four years here and like, they're going to go by very fast. So like, what am I going to take with me here? That's going to stay with me forever. And what's going to be kind of like temporary. And that, that definitely helped me kind of prioritize where I wanted to spend my energy.
1: So after graduating from college, you spent two years at Yesprep Northside teaching Spanish and writing curriculum for the district. Could you talk a little bit more about your teaching experience? What did you learn about yourself? And when did you know that it was the right time to take the next step in your career and leave teaching? Again, this is just like one of those things where like
0: I I was just kind of trying to follow what felt good for me and not thinking too, too much about the outcome. But I actually chose to study abroad my spring semester of my senior year which is kind of like an odd time to go abroad. But, you know, I I wanted to (laughs) just, (laughs) I was ready to travel, (laughs) even if it meant like missing out on that like spring semester. And um, so because I was like busy traveling, I really didn't think much about what job I wanted to get. And, you know, suddenly it's like a month before graduation and I didn't really have a plan. So I thought, hmm, I like to learn, and I like to talk about what I learned, so let me just go into teaching. And um, I remember I sent two applications, (laughs) and um, I didn't get one. Uh, I applied to one charter district, and they didn't take me, but um, this other school that was near my dad's house accepted me, and I was like, well, I'm just going to try it out. I graduated, got accepted into teaching ubered for like a month and a half just you know because i was bored and didn't have anything else to do did a two-week training one week of preparation on campus and then boom suddenly i had 120 kids to teach and i most definitely was not ready for that college was hard college was a culture shock this was on another level because if, if all I had to do was teach Spanish, it would be a very manageable job. Problem is that you're planning instruction and you have to plan instruction on a short term and on a long term basis, right? So like I need to figure out what I'm going to teach this week, but I also need to think like at a year length, like what I'm going to teach. You know, when you're teaching at a charter school and you're new, you're usually teaching more than one content. I was actually teaching three different content. That was like three different presentations, so to speak per day with a total of 120 students students who are in there with all kinds of backgrounds um, folks who have unstable home environments kids who have a lot of uh, different learning abilities and on top of that you have to abide by a lot of these like rules and regulations and standards and procedures that these charter schools kind of set forward even if you don't always agree with them i remember my deans hounding me to make sure that th- that students had a belt or that students weren't wearing jeans and it's kind of hard to like focus on these minute details when you just like what to do instruction but all that to say I, I mean I, I I enjoyed teaching I enjoyed the act of teaching and, and and I really liked it and I loved teaching in Spanish I love teaching Spanish designing lessons was really fun getting to be creative with my activities and my powerpoints was really fun but the work just like was not very sustainable and when COVID hit i was working even more than i i I was before at the time the district really liked what i was doing in the classroom so they asked me to start writing curriculum for the world languages department i made amazing content for them i mean i was making instructional videos Um, i had a pet sloth named gustavo and and i made like a series of short videos of Gustavo trying to like learn Spanish and, you know, it was just like very silly, but very fun. And then I just kind of realized, wait, people actually like do this outside of schools. Like people like design learning content and are able to like have that kind of creative people can like really scratch that creative itch by building learning experiences whether it's for products or for projects or different plans. And so I began just researching what was out there. And it was an old dean that I had that was working at um, the company that I work for now. They're a software company serving IT service providers. You know, I sent in my application and she like caught my name and she called me and she was like, oh, hey, Francisco. So like, what's up? And it was kind of an unprofessional call because I was just like, listen, girl, I am dying here and like I love teaching, but this is unsustainable. Just like give me a chance. And she was like, okay, well like send in an application. I started interviewing and I really wanted to like stand out because I was like breaking into this industry. I didn't really know how to like really show that I had something to offer. So I remember they didn't ask me to do this, but I signed up for a free trial for a course authoring tool. It's is For those who don't know, course authoring tools are just softwares that allow you to make e-learning. The license is like $1,000 per year and you have to like pay a year subscription forward. And I just like signed up for like the free trial and I had like two weeks to play around with the product. But basically I made an e-learning module of their product off of what I just saw from the website. I recorded audio and I made a little video and I sent it to them. I was like, hey, like, I don't know if this is allowed, but I try to incorporate some of like what I do in the classroom into like some like e-learning here. Let me know what you think. And um, I got hired two days after. <laughs> I took way too long to explain all of that. But I think the moral of the story for me here is that like, although I didn't really have a direction, just like I've always done in my life, I just took confidence in what I knew I liked to do and what I knew I was passionate about and just took risks. And in um, that it ended up working out really well for me. <laughs>
1: I think your experience is also indicative of the reality of the job market and people's career process and journeys in general. There's twists and turns. You really draw from the talents, experiences, and skills that you have within, and you have the option to move around. You have the option to pursue other opportunities that you wanna explore. And I think that really jumps into kind of the next part of our conversation where the tech industry job market is huge people are often switching from one company to another often to increase their salaries or gain new skills and this is a really a great way for people especially first generation students who have a lot of loans who need to and want to increase their salary quickly could you talk about how you have used your skills and job offers to elevate yourself throughout your career i mean i'll
0: i'll, I'll answer your question in a different way like Like, looking back, I I don't regret anything. I'm I'm happy with how everything turned out. But I guess, like, if I could talk to myself when I was kind of figuring out that process, I would tell myself to, like, be patient, but be persistent. Because, like, persistence beats talent when talent is not persistent, (laughs) right? Like, like I've said throughout, like, our conversation, like, I've never been the smartest person in the room. I've never had the highest grades. I've never been, like the the best like designer but like what I do have is just an immense desire to like learn and use the resources that I have to just make do with what I have so you know I guess answering your question more specifically like what helped me break into the tech field like really was like that like persistence piece like I called I, I went on LinkedIn and I looked up Carlton alum's And I typed in instructional designer, which was the the first role that I landed in. And I saw a list of like 50 people from my college who graduated, who graduated from Carleton and were doing what I wanted to do. And I cold called all of them. I remember like there was like 50 calls and like only three answered me. But out of those three, one person like called me was in the field and they told me everything I needed to know, know about the field. They gave me like, I mean, they didn't give me a job, but they like gave me like industry terms and definitions. They told me which certifications to get. So, like, out of all those fifty calls that I made, three that answered, and only one. So, like, they gave me incredibly valuable information that I could just show off in like interviews. You know, a year into my role as an instructional designer, I began just realizing how much there is to do in the tech space. For those who don't know, like, I I manage an online learning academy, so to speak, for our product. You know, not only was I making content, but I also kind of had to decide, like, the general direction of, like, where, like, our content would go, like, how our website would look and things like that. And so I took, like... For example, like I, I wanted to get better at HTML and CSS so that I could better design courses and not have to bug our web designers about it. I went and got a little certificate on it and uh, was able to start implementing some of that. I also spent just hours and hours learning more about the industry, um, and I was able to prove the value that that value to my employer. So, you know, there became a point where I knew that I was giving my department and my company a lot of value that my job title wasn't quite reflecting. And I wasn't even strictly asking for a raise, but I was just really presenting what the market had to offer based on the value that I was bringing. And those are hard conversations to have. But when you've done your research and you you know the value that you can provide, it becomes a little less awkward. And um, that helped me get promotions and allowed me to really advocate for myself. So yeah, all that to say, man, like, just, just be persistent and take risks.
1: Like, <laughs>
0: that's just like really what it came down for me.
1: I want to back up a little bit and talk about one specific part about your college experience at Carleton. While you received a full tuition scholarship, you had to figure out where were you going to live and how are you going to pay for it? For a lot of college students, student loans are the only viable option to pay for it. After those four years, do you feel like you made the right investment choosing Carleton? I I hope I'm not
0: disappointing, but I don't I don't think I can answer that right now, and and I and I hope to never be able to answer that. And here, here's why I say that: like, there are so many pathways to get to where you are meant to end up, right? Like, I will actually start taking night classes at our local community college to learn more about topics related to to the space that i work in on my nine to five um and i saw oh dang like i could i could have gotten to like community college and like not had any student debt and learned basically what i needed today and like that that is like true in one dimension but then on the other hand like Going to Carlton allowed me to travel a lot and allowed me to like meet people that I would have. I don't know if I would have ever met before. So, which pathway would have been the right one? I I don't know. Like, is the debt that I've accrued worth worth it? I like to think so, but I I don't I don't know, right? So, I think when your heart is in the right place and you're not thinking exclusively about what's going to make me the most money or like what's going to you know get me out of the place that i am the fastest like there's value in that but i can only speak for myself like what worked for me was just choosing things that i was passionate about and choosing things that i just like knew would give me great opportunities even if there was a loan associated with it granted i'm not saying like go break the bank <laughs> but like really what i'm saying is like just just be intentional right like you can get as much or as little as possible from an Ivy league education with six figures and loans, like you can get the same value of that from a community college. Or vice versa, like it really just depends on like the intention that you are sort of placing on things and how you use that resource, how you use that opportunity. There are people that went to Carlton and for whatever reason really didn't get much out of it, and that's like valid, but that's like their journey. It could be your journey, it could not. Um,
1: but I don't know. I I don't I don't like to predict the future, so. <laughs> I really appreciate you mentioning that next step in your educational journey that you're taking classes and courses at your local community college, because I think it highlights the reality that oftentimes going to the most elite school doesn't necessarily translate in terms of opportunities that you'll have throughout your career. I think that there's many pathways for a lot of college students to get to where they want to be and be successful by whatever measure they are measuring themselves against. But thank you so much Francisco, for joining us. We really appreciate your insights and your experiences and your vulnerabilities. And I'm sure that our audience have taken a lot of takeaways from your story, but thank you for joining us again.
0: You got it. Thank you so much for having me.